What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Kindness Is podcast, where we take a deep dive into the true meaning of kindness. I'm your host, Caitlin Johnstone, the co-founder of Kind Cotton. Let's dive in. The Kindnesses podcast is finally here, and I cannot think of a better person to have as my first guest than my friend Brian. He is the first person who I ever went live with on Instagram, and now he is the first guest who I am going to have an amazing deep dive conversation with about his true definition of kindness. His definition is going to be rich in the importance of representation and history, and I am just here for everything that he has to say. So without further ado, I would love to welcome you, my first ever guest, Brian Keith Harris. So I have the absolute honor today of interviewing my friend, Brian Keith Harris II, and I want to talk to you all about why this is special for a moment before I introduce Brian, because Brian was my very first Instagram Live many, many moons ago. Brian was actually one of the people who inspired me to do our entire Take a Look Behind the Book on Kind Cotton. He is the reason why we are here today, one could argue, doing this podcast. So I am just so grateful to you, Brian, and I want everyone to know a little bit about you. So Brian is so talented. He is the director of outplacement and graduate support at the Bishop John T. Walker School for Boys in Washington, D.C. He is also the founder and artistic director of Sons of Freedom Dance Institute, an organization that nurtures character increases social awareness, and builds spiritual foundation for boys of color through classical and contemporary dance. That's a whole nother thing that I could talk about alone because as Brian knows, I grew up dancing myself, Mm -hmm. um, predominantly with black and brown boys. So I love that he does that. He's also a licensed minister, lecturer, and workshop facilitator and graduate of Hampton University. And he is the author of three incredible, amazing books, one of which, if we do any clips here, you can see in the background, I Am My History, that we have donated through Kind Cotton. So, Brian, I could go on and on and on. Um, Your resume is very long, but I want you to just introduce yourself and tell everyone something that maybe I didn't share. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me um, on the podcast. It is always a joy when I have an opportunity to connect with you. Um, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing in the earth and for making sure that 
children are able to see themselves and their history and their cultural legacy reflected in the books that they read. And so I'm so honored um, to be a part of this movement and to um, have the opportunity to connect and share my thoughts, my feelings, and even my book um, with so many children who may not have otherwise had the opportunity to um, engage with the book. So thank you for this honor. I am grateful. Um, something that you did not share. So I like to say that I am a um, creative soul, if you will. Mm -hmm. From the time that I was a child to even now, um, being creative, being in the arts has been something that has been the foundation for my life. And it's something that I celebrate and affirm, but it's also something that I um, am grateful for my parents for instilling in me, which was a love for the arts and which was the freedom to be my creative self. Um, and so as a result of my parents pushing through barriers or you know, um, not uh, focusing on what quote unquote boys or girls do, um, <clears throat> I am in a place where I've been able to use both my artistic side and my creative side um, to really transform lives in young people. And so um, that's something maybe that wasn't shared. And I love that. And I want you to talk about that a little bit because in a world right now where it feels as though we're going further in a direction in many ways where oh, boys do this, girls do that. No, why are we talking about anything about gender or this or that or the other, which I don't think that that even has to do with gender, right? Those are those gender roles that we've assigned that right. my daughter wears pink because she's seen it on the television or she plays with Barbies because that's what has been advertised to her since she was in the womb. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanna know why is that so life-saving, first mm -hmm. of all, and why is it important that we kind of break down those walls and say, hey, no, like if your little boy wants to dance and paint his fingernails, it's okay. And that is all out of love. And if your little girl wants to play baseball and chop her hair off, like I did when I was seven years old, that is all out of love and should yeah. be affirmed as well. So yeah. I just want to know why you think that is so life-saving. I think it's so life-saving because it's liberation at its core. One of the things that, you know, I think my parents did such a great job in is giving me the freedom and the space to be and become. And it's life-saving because sometimes what happens if, is if we do not have those opportunities to be free, if we do not have those opportunities to express ourselves, if we do not have the opportunity to really um, delve into our creative side, we may grow up as adults who never reach our full potential, who never reach out our, uh, live out our purpose, uh, and who in a real sense is grappling with a level of um, self-hate or a low sense of self-worth, all because we did not have the opportunity to be free, because that space where we could have been our authentic selves was not uh, afforded to us. And so when we have those spaces, it is liberating to be your authentic self without any limitations, 
with reckless abandon, no regard for what society says or uh, no regard for the stereotypes or stigmas or the narrative that is placed on you because you are a boy or a girl or a black and brown boy or girl. Um, and so that's the thing, it's life-saving because when you give your children and you give others the space to be, it liberates them. That's so beautiful. I mean, that in and of itself is what kindness should be, right? We're all just striving to be who we feel in our deep inner core we are. And I think when we give children, particularly the opportunity to do so, they are going to flourish as opposed to feel sadness or harm or anxiety. That's right. And I think what you were doing is beautiful. I would love for you to share. I know myself just growing up dancing and and dancing in a very non-traditional dance company where we practiced being present and we practiced meditation before I even knew what the word meditation was. And we practiced seeing one another and empathizing with one another, which I believe is very similar to some of the things that you practice in your dance company. I would love for you to share maybe one of your favorite moments or just anything about why movement in such an authentic way, particularly for boys and young men is so important. Absolutely, something jumps out at me and experience a moment that happened jumps out at me. Um, the youngest uh, young man to dance with the Sons of Freedom came to the company when he was three years old. He is currently 16 years old. Um, and when he was about eight or nine, um, his father died by suicide. And that was obviously a very traumatic, very painful experience for him and his twin sister um, because they loved their dad so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were very much connected to him as they should be. Um, and after his father passed away, we noticed that he, his communication lessened. Um, and he began to become very withdrawn. Um, and, you know, mom not really knowing what to do as she has lost her husband and also the father of her children. She just came to me and she just said, you know, can you help us? You know, and so I really didn't know what to do either at first. And then it just kind of dawned on me. So I went to him and I talked to him and I said, you know, I want us to sit down and do an activity where if you're ready, I want us to be able to write some of the things that were so special to you about your father. What were some of the things that made you smile about him? What were some of those moments that brought you joy? Um, Talk to me a little bit about those pieces. And he did, and we shared, and we shared this for probably about two or three sessions. And we had like pages of notes of different things. Um, And what I did was I wrote down things while he just kind of shared. And at the end, I think our last session, I said to him, I now think that it would be possible that we can take the same thing that you shared. And is it possible for us to add movement to these things? Mm -hmm. And um, it almost makes me cry um, because 
What a beautiful piece of choreography that was created. Um, because this young man had the opportunity to express his thoughts, to process his thoughts of the death of his father, not just by sharing them you know, verbally, but by creating movement that allowed him to articulate it. And now he can always go to that footage of that piece and he can always reflect on that piece which tells the story of his life with his father. And so I share that story to say that movement has the power and the potential to heal. That piece of choreography healed and is continuing to heal this young man who is 16 years old, right? Who lost his father about eight years ago at this point, right? Yet it's continuing to um, be healing to him. And I think that's what movement can do when we allow young people the opportunity to be engaged with, with those opportunities to move or to dance or to meditate or to become aware of their body. Because when we're aware, we have spaces to become mindful or to meditate, we begin to hear our breath. We begin to feel our bodies. And as we are hearing our breath, as we are feeling our bodies, we then begin a process of reflecting on the things that brought us the most pain, and we're able through our bodies, through just our breathing, we're able to release some of those things. Mm -hmm. so movement has the power and potential to heal. It has the power and potential to bring us peace. And it also, last thing, has the opportunity for us to connect or reconnect to our cultural legacy and our ancestors. When we think about the thing that is so centralized to African people and to us as African Americans, you know, uh, a part of the diaspora, the core is dance and movement. And so whenever we are dancing, whenever we're introducing dance and movement to our children, whenever they're in a space where they can experience and express joy through their movement, that is the time at which they're connecting to those ancestors you know, who didn't have that opportunity to move because of enslavement. So it has so many different meanings and so much power and potential to do so many things. And that is why, you know, I am a proponent of those movement classes, not just after school programming, embedded mm -hmm. in daily curriculum. Even at our own school, we have mindfulness that is embedded into our daily instruction because our children need to, in a real sense, Every day they need to be aware. Every day they need to be in touch with their bodies and their spirit and their soul and their breath in order for them to continue to heal and be made whole. I think that's really beautiful. And I think you touched upon something that's so important in that we tell ourselves as adults, right? Right. Take a breath. That's take right. Take the time you need, rest and restore connect to things that bring you joy, be kind to yourself, be kind to your mind. And then oftentimes in traditional settings with children, and I'm not just talking school, I'm talking even as a parent, mm -hmm. there are times in which I need to remind myself of the humanity of my child. That's right. right? 
they need those same things. They're allowed to be given the grace to make mistakes. They're allowed to need to take time to move their bodies. That's right. And we need to give them the kindness and the love and the tools to do so. So I, I absolutely love that you brought up bringing that into school. I love that you have this company, particularly for boys. Yeah. I think there is a strange stigma surrounding it, and there should not be. Right. And I think men and boys need to connect with their bodies and their emotion. And I think we see much more socially, emotionally connected, strong men when they're able to do that as children. So I commend you for that. I think it's incredible. I also want to talk to you a little bit about your books. What inspired you to write them? And you know what? Let's start with that because there's a lot of things that I can ask you about your incredible work as books. So what inspired you to become a writer? So, you know, I think that in the work that I've done with Sons of Freedom and with exposing boys to dance and movement and the power of dance and movement. Um, at some point in the work, I found that it was somewhat limiting because it, in a real sense, maybe excluded children that I was still kind of connected with or engaged with um, who may not have been interested in dance and movement. And so therefore they did not get, you know, all of the richness uh, that being a part of a dance movement program would bring. So as a result of feeling that level of limitation, I began to think about what is another way that I can impact the lives of children? What is another way that I can celebrate um, their rich history and cultural legacy? Um, what is a way that I can do that outside of um, you know, the box of dance and movement? And so, um, my first book, which is Freedom's Design, 20 Days of Empowering Black Kings, I wanted to find a way for boys to discuss some of the things that have happened in our history and the similarities with those things that are currently happening to people and to young men who look like them. And then also give them a space to one, discuss those things and to come up with solutions in ways in which they can lead change and transformation in their own communities, in their own country, in the, in the world. Um, which seems like a very lofty goal now that I kind of say it out loud. But um, that was kind of what I wanted to, to, to do. Um, a lot of that work was being done at the studio. We were creating dance pieces that before the dance pieces even got to, you know, before we even got to the choreography, we were studying and researching some of our history, some of the things that have happened to black and brown people um, throughout history and giving boys an opportunity to express their thoughts and feelings about it. And then taking some of those thoughts and feelings and transforming those and transcending those to dance pieces. Um, and so I wanted to, again, figure out a way to do that same work, um, just not in the dance context. And so Freedom Design came about um, and it was amazing because Freedom Design is 20 poems that all center around black history and also 20 critical thinking questions that give boys an opportunity to discuss those things that they're reading in that poetry 
and the poetry, you know, talks about everything from, you know, your last name being the name of, um, being the name that you received when your family was enslaved, all the way to, you know, um, Barack Obama being the first African-American president and what that means for you and how you can, you know, make change and create change in your own community. So it was those 20 poems and it was amazing. Boys had an opportunity to discuss their thoughts and feelings. The very first poem in that book, Freedom's Design, is I Know My History. And I wrote that poem, that was the first poem that I wrote. I wrote that poem um, at the beginning of my doctoral class, which started in classes, which started in 2019. And um, I tell the story often, but I'm gonna tell it again. So for the viewers who've heard the story, here it goes again. Um, in 2019, I started a doctoral process. I was um, on break from a lunch, from a lunch period. Um, and we were for lunch period and we were the, the, all my cohort members were going to lunch. So I sat in the classroom. The class that I had was called Challenging the Tenacity of White Supremacy. The professor was Dr. Uh, Beverly Mitchell and the class was really heavy. We were reading the book by Ibram Kendi stamped from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading that book and the first half of the class, I was just angry the first half because the book really talks about the power of racism and supremacy and how it was ingrained since the beginning of this country, right? And I felt a sense of hopelessness as I was sitting in class. You know, how can I, as an educator, how can we in a real sense bring hope and joy to our children knowing mm -hmm. that they're going to encounter a level of racism or supremacy in their lives and maybe not being a maybe not be able to deal with it or in a real sense will not receive certain opportunities because of it so we're on a lunch break i'm in the classroom and i'm staring at my laptop and um with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I literally was just staring there, you know? And then the first words came to me. I am my history. Walking tall, standing in royalty, I am a direct descendant of kings and queens who rule with grace, wisdom, and dignity. And that first line was my way of speaking out against the narrative, the negative narrative and stereotype and stigma that is placed on black and brown children. And so the very first line I wanted them to recognize 
their cultural connection and legacy. Um, and so that's kind of how those books came about. Then I started, you know, thinking about my own dance journey, went back to dance. And then I started thinking about all of the boys, the black and brown boys who like me love to dance. They didn't want to play sports. They just wanted to dance and also wanted to find a way to encourage that group of boys as well. So that's where we came with the new book, BJ's Dancing Feet, to kind of tell the story or show the journey that the little boy in the story, eight-year-old BJ, had to go through in order for him to recognize that his dancing gift and ability was indeed a gift to be celebrated, and in order for him to share with others who didn't understand that boys can dance and do things that are different than what other boys do. I love it all so much. It's so <laughs> wonderful. We're going to talk about it at the end too, but please check out Brian's books. They are tremendous and so needed in this world, which kind of leads me into my next question. There's two parts to this, right? There's yeah. a very, and there's two parts that are, that are, being challenged today in our country. Yeah. One of which is, I want you to touch upon why is the accurate teaching of history so important? And then the other one is, why is representation in a beautiful, uplifting light so important for all children to see, particularly of black and brown families? Mm. So I think the very first part of your question, we can begin to talk about the narratives and the way in which history is taught and told currently. Mm -hmm. So the way in which history is, is taught and told currently, we see that the history of black and brown people in this country starts with enslavement mm -hmm. and it starts with struggle. It starts with black and brown people being um, less than. Mm -hmm. It starts with them not having an identity or their identity being constructed by those who owned them, right? And the danger with us starting the history of black and brown people there is that our children will begin to see themselves and their history through the lenses of enslavement that is not often empowering. And so it's important for us to make sure that our children, though Black Americans, understand their cultural connection to Africa and to countries in Africa and to the culture of Africa more specifically West African culture. And so we cannot start the history of black people at enslavement. We have to start before then. We have to talk about these ancient civilizations, the Egyptian civilization, you know, um, that ancient Kemet, the land of the dark people, right? We have to talk about what these civilizations were what the people in these civilizations were able to achieve and how those people in those civilizations are directly connected to the children that we see today, right? Mm -hmm. When we begin to share with our children the positive aspects 
of their history and their culture. They begin to be empowered and inspired, and therefore they're able to accomplish their own dreams and achievements. I think the other piece that is important is that we hear this oftentimes, but enslavement is really not the history of black people. That, that's a part of our history that was forced on us, right? When you tell a young person that they come from a people who created the tallest structures in the world, I mean, how empowering is that? Or when you tell a black girl that the first queen to rule Egypt was a powerful woman who led without a husband or anybody else, it was just her. You know, when you mm -hmm. talk about Queen Hatshepsut or Queen Sova Kaneferu, that's empowering. And so it's important that we make sure that we are accurately sharing that history. But not just for black and brown children, but for all children, right? Because not only the danger of starting the history here, not only will black children see their history from the lenses of enslavement, but other children will see their history from the lenses of enslavement as well. So it's important that all children understand that the history of black people did not start in America, it started in Africa. And these were the things that are unique to African culture and its people. Um, so that's one of the pieces that is so important. And that's why it's so pivotal that we, in a real sense, counter those narratives and we create those counter spaces where children can learn the truth about their history and cultural legacy. And that, therefore, is so important because when you start with that positive narrative, then children develop what I consider to be a healthy sense of identity. Hmm. And when you have a healthy sense of who you are, there's nothing that anyone can tell you that can, that, that can deter that or that can break that because you have that healthy sense of who you are and from where you have come. Yeah, we've kind of come full circle. It's back to that idea of being authentically yourself and being grounded in that and being proud of that. And that is so important. You also mentioned something that, like you said before, people have probably heard me share this story a million times. But when I was still teaching, uh, the last school that I taught at was predominantly white, middle upper class school. And someone got all aggravated and up in arms about some Instagram posts that I made. I think about Dr. Seuss or teaching Black History 365 or I don't know. And basically said, I don't get it. If you care so much about Black lives, why are you teaching white children? And I'm going to keep this recording, snip out that little part of this podcast and press play for anyone who ever had the question about that because what quote unquote white schools need are white educators who are teaching them about accurate history and allowing them to see black excellence in front of them from a white teacher, right? They're seeing me as a mentor, someone who looks like them, but sharing them stories of black excellence and joy and accurate history. And right. they need to see that so that when those tough things come up, when we start talking about the horridness of enslavement, 
then they're connected to wonderful, beautiful individuals who may look different from them and are very, you know, culturally different from them, but they're connected in humanity. And, and they say, hey, this is absolutely horrible. Like That's now, true. how can I be an ally, right? And they're also able to see it for the horrific <laughs> incident that it was for 400 yeah. plus years. It's hard for them to see it as horrific if they only understand that that's the origin of, of the history, right? Exactly. If they understand that that's not the origin of the history, right? That these people were taken from their mm -hmm. culture, stripped of their dignity, all of those pieces, and brought to this country and enslaved, then all children will be able to see this is a horrible incident, right? Mm -hmm. The danger of us not sharing the totality of Black history is that not only will, will our children, black and brown children see themselves as less than, but other children will as well. And they will walk through this life believing, right, that their race, their culture is superior because of the narratives that are shared about other cultures, which oftentimes is always casted in a less than light, mm -hmm. right? And so when we teach these, the accurate history of culture, mm -hmm. Um, of non-white cultures, right? Then we're able to get the totality of it and children are able to see the fullness and the beauty of the history and not just the horrific portion of the history. That is important to teach as well, but it's, it's where you start in teaching that history. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, now we're in a space where the horrific part of our history is even being challenged, right? The the accurate teaching of that. But I would argue, and, and you would know better than I, but I would argue that when we were still teaching that horrible part of history, we weren't starting. And when I say we, I mean America as an entire country, for the majority, we're not starting in an accurate space to depict people in the accurate light that they need to be depicted in. Of, of course. We, even if you were to ask kids today, name some prominent African-American figures, leave out Martin Luther King Jr. The next person that they leave out Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, the next person that they're going to share is Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. No one's going to think about Mansa Musa. Nobody's going to talk about King Tut. Nobody's going to talk about Hepshepsit, Sorba Kineferu. Nobody's going to talk about any, they're not going to talk about ancient Kemet. They're not going to talk about African people being the first people to create a writing system or a mathematical system. They're not going to talk about any of those things because our children have no connection to that, right? Now, if you were to flip that and talk, for example, about, let's just say Asian American culture, right? Or other cultures, I just use that as an example, you're going to start getting some of those pieces of that culture's ancient civilization. Mm. And that's why it's so important to teach the accurate history and to teach the history in totality. So children are able to see the beauty of it. And then they're also able, I think sometimes what happens is that by design, if you, if you don't teach if you start with enslavement, then that keeps that idea of there being a dominant race. Yeah. 
For sure. Right? It's like, absolutely by design. I mean, yeah. every system within our country is is by design of white supremacy. And it's 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 set up that way for a reason, right? So I love hearing people who teach the entire history and who recognize that in doing that, we are eliciting kindness That's and right. we are embracing each other. And in doing that, we're producing more empathetic children That's and right. hopefully a more empathetic society as we move forward. So I just, it's refreshing to talk to you because oftentimes we can all get bogged down in a scary, scary world right now where we feel as though the bad guys are winning and there That's aren't right. people fighting for inclusive education and inclusive history. And it just brings me to a space of hope knowing that there are people out there doing their part and there are people out there who care about this. So I hope that those of you who are listening feel that sense of hope too. And know that you can do something about that too, right? Like we don't want to stop there. You need to you need to do something about that. After hearing hearing Brian talk, you need to be the ones attending the school board meetings and and calling the superintendents and and doing all these things so that books like this are a part of curriculums and we change that narrative. Yeah, the other thing I say to that because there are always teachers who want to do this work of making sure that accurate history is being taught and really making mm -hmm. sure kindness is something that is shared among all of the children in the classroom, excuse me, through the lenses of their history and their cultural legacy. And what happens is that because of the book bans and all of those pieces that would prevent them from doing this work um, fully, many teachers feel like their hands are tied and there's nothing else for them to do. Um, and then they also feel like, you know, I don't feel comfortable going to a school board meeting or standing up. And to those teachers, I say this, that in addition to us challenging the system that is continuing to erase the history of groups of people, people of color in particular, as educators, we should be mobilizing and coming together to create other spaces for children to learn their history and their culture. I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about that. Like, mm. because that's also, it's also by design, like speaking out against challenging systems. Yes, that creates change. But in the midst and while that's happening, we are also going to create our own organization so that we can continue to make sure that our children are learning this because you may ban books in this building, but you can't ban a book in my house. Mm -hmm. You can't ban a book in this organization that we've created. And so that would be my encouragement for educators who may feel like their hands are tied and who may not feel comfortable, you know, advocating in a school board setting, right? Or in a, you know, city council setting. Advocate by coming together, mobilizing and creating spaces, whatever those spaces look like, creating those spaces for children to continue learning the truth. Absolutely. And I think that's so important because we often say, oh, 
I don't know what more to do, or I've done X, Y, and Z, and then we're forgetting our critical thinking, right? right. We're forgetting to think outside the box and do more and create ways in which children still have access to these books or children still have access to this history. And I, I appreciate you pointing that out because I think we are in a time where we're saying, I'm exhausted of doing it and doing it and doing it, doing all the things that we're quote unquote supposed to do yeah. and I'm not getting the outcome that I need. Well, you know what? Do something else, think outside the box. So That's I appreciate right. you sharing that for sure. So Brian, I'm going to ask everyone, and I did not give you the heads up on this. So I appreciate if you say, Caitlin, you didn't email me this. So I don't know right off the top of my head. I'm going to ask everyone who we have on this podcast, what is your true definition of kindness? I would say that kindness is the ability to see, celebrate, and affirm others as their full and authentic selves. People, you need to know that he really didn't know I was gonna ask him that. And it was the most beautiful definition. I could listen to you talk all day. And I know that when we went live, this was two years ago. I can't yes. believe I'm saying this. Also, Brian and I live very close to one another right now. And I'm putting the pressure on him because we have yet to meet in person, which is absurd to, to me. Yeah, it has to happen. <laughs> but when we went live two years ago, so many people said to me, I could just listen to this man speak. And that is your gift amongst many other things. But I just wanna tell you that what you are doing is powerful. Your voice is needed. And I'm so very grateful to not only know you on this kind cotton level, but to have connected with you as a human. And before we say goodbye, I want you to tell everyone where they can follow you, how they can support your work and where they can buy your books. Wow, thank you. That was beautiful. I appreciate that. Um, so um, my books can be purchased on Amazon. Um, you can actually go to my website, BrianKeithHarris.com, and there's a variety of products for you to um, purchase on there as well. There's a teaching guide to the books. There are some free tools. Um, there are some things about mindfulness and movement that will be helpful um, if you're looking for those things. So BrianKeithHarris.com is the website, and that will take you directly to purchasing the books. Um, you could also follow me on uh, all social media platforms. Uh, Brian Keith Harris uh, is the name under the platforms. Um, the thing that I would like for you to do to support, yes, you could purchase the books. The thing that I would like for you to do to support is to do the work of making sure that our children have access to their history and their cultural legacy, the full access to their history and cultural legacy, and do the work that you can do so that our children can become who they were called to be. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I could not have asked for a better first interview for this podcast. In fact, I wish I would have kept recording for a little bit longer. 
Brian and I stayed on the call for quite some time, and we both had a very deep conversation into kindness not being something that is simply tolerated. Kindness is seeing someone, valuing someone, and embracing every piece of that person. So I'm just so grateful that he was able to be on here. I'm so grateful to all of you who listened to this first episode. If you did happen to listen to this, please go ahead and subscribe to the Kindness Is podcast. Rate and review if possible. Share on social medias. I'm really, really excited to take this journey with all of you and connect on a deeper level into what kindness truly is. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.